When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Around the Heights. I'm Bill Spaulding. Coming up on this week's show, we'll talk to BC women's soccer goalkeeper Allie Auger about the Eagles picking up their first win of the year over Syracuse and BC Volleyball's Jewel Strawberry, the chair of Eagles for Equality, about what the group is working on and their plans for this ACC Unity Week. First, let's take a look around the heights. BC football rolled over Georgia Tech 48-27 to improve to 4-2 on the season. Eagles rushed for 264 yards and really had the game in control most of the way. They have a huge test this week. They take on top-ranked Clemson in Death Valley at noon on Saturday. Meanwhile, BC women's soccer picked up its first win of the year on Thursday, taking down Syracuse 3-1. Eagles really controlled the game start to finish and close out the fall season with home matches versus Virginia Thursday and Virginia Tech Sunday, both games airing on ACC Network. BC Volleyball closed its season falling three sets to love and three sets to one Notre Dame. Eagles got strong play from a pair of seniors. Claire Naughton led the team in kills in game one, Amaka Chukwajeku in game two. Eagles will now turn their focus to a spring season that's planned uh, in the second semester. Finally, men's and women's cross country competes in the ACC championship this weekend in Cary, North Carolina, with races starting on Friday. It's Unity Week in the ACC, and this week the ACC's 15 institutions are focused on equity, justice, diversity, and inclusion. At Boston College, Eagle student-athletes have launched Eagles for Equality, the Boston College Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Student Committee. BC Volleyball's Jewel Strawberry is the chair of the group, and she joins us here on the podcast. Uh, Jewel, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, first off, I want to know what um, inspired you to, to step up and, and take a leadership role in this group? Well, I mean, this summer, I've been really vocal on my social media and just in general, I'm a pretty vocal person. So um, Parker Beatley, our SAC president, they called me this summer while we were at home and they asked me if I would be willing to do this and lead. And it was definitely a no brainer for me. Uh, and as you've hit the ground running, um, what have some of the um, early conversations been with this group? And, and I guess take me back to how you kind of started 
putting it together and, and building your leadership team so that you'd be able to, to hit the ground running when everybody got back to, to campus in the fall? Yeah, so um, we had a DEI group form this summer. All our work started this summer. And we just sort of first talked about like our feelings and like concerns. And then we focused on more immediate needs. And we had one big working meeting where we like put together all the initiatives and like, came up with the ideas. And that's how we like formed our pillars, which we like really base all our work off of. Yeah. Can you uh, expand on what those pillars are and, and like broadly what the, the mission of, of the group is? Oh yeah, of course. Um, so our pillars, our four pillars are educate, unity, outreach, and support. And like, we felt like those cover everything that we want to accomplish. And the mission of this group is just to better BC athletics and make it a more inclusive place and a supportive environment and make sure that we're all super educated and that we're moving forward and that this is a continuous thing. So a couple months into being back on campus and a few months into uh, really starting the conversations and and starting to build uh, Eagles for Equality, what have the meetings been like and what have the discussions been like amongst uh, your group members, but also when you've had a chance to to speak with folks in the administration as well? Yes. So our first meeting actually was with the staff DEI group, so with the administration and at first it was a little awkward because we like as students we were just kind of like uh and then we had a student a meeting again and we really opened up there and we got people's opinions and feelings but we from the staff DEI meeting um they were asking us a lot of questions like what do you need from us like we're here for you and it was like very open dialogue so we were really excited about that and then once we went back to our like student group we talked a lot more and like we were able to you know really digest their questions and like see what we can really get from them and like work together and like be a bridge great um you know we've talked kind of broadly about overall goal and overall missions what are some of the the specifics um and i know that like you can't do everything in one year so what are some of like the immediate specific things you've been working for and pushing toward as as a group this year yeah so our big theme for this fall was educate and we really just wanted to educate everyone so we've already had the staff put together um three zoom call opportunities because of course everything's over zoom um so our first one was with Dr. Tamalinara and she spoke on the impact of racism and she talked about allyship and that was really, really powerful. And she was amazing. Like, and it was open to students, staff, coaches. So that was really good. And then um, we also had our second one, which was an alumni panel and it was called Eagles for Inclusion. And there was a bunch of alumni um, who spoke about their experience uh, with race at BC and how their industries are now like working with DEI in their own, like in their workforce. So that was also really, really cool. And we also got some like connects too. They were really open to um, helping us as student athletes. And then the last one was yesterday and it was with Dr. Fofana and it was called Balancing Higher Education and Safety and it was talked about added pressures on underrepresented minority groups during the COVID-19 era so that was really cool because obviously we're in a pandemic 
in to talk about that too. And so, yeah, we've really been focusing on educate this semester and we're going to, after AC Unity Week and Thanksgiving and stuff, we're going to regroup and like focus on our big initiatives for next semester. Yeah, you just mentioned ACC Unity Week. So this week, the entire league is, is focusing on the things you've been working toward. I'm curious what specifically at BC uh, your group is doing this week when maybe there's a, a little bit more attention on it. And how are you, uh, you know, bringing your message to even more people this week? Yeah, so this week we obviously had uh, the discussion with um, Dr. Fofana, and then our big initiative this week is getting every team to watch the Lou Montgomery documentary. Um, Lou Montgomery was the first Black athlete at BC, played on the football team. So we decided that it'd be really impactful to, well, first of all, every athlete should know who he is, but to have multiple teams together on a it was supposed to be in person, but now it's on Zoom. So we're being really flexible. Of course, you have to be flexible um, to have multiple teams together so that the discussions would be different and that they would be more diverse. Um, so each team is watching that um, and we're discussing after. Then we had the Solidarity Walk for Racial Justice last night. That was, it was super awesome. Um, we gathered at seven with two other, or two or three other student groups at BC, like not related to athletics at all. Um, and we spoke, there were some speakers and then we gathered and had discussions in small groups. And we, um, as an athletic group, as student athletic advisory committee and other athletes that just wanted to show up, we just had conversations about athletics and, how going to a predominantly white school can affect BIPOC student athletes. And then we walked together in solidarity around campus with signs and we got shirts and it was really, really moving and awesome. And then um, the other thing for AC Unity Week is we have game plan modules. Um, so each month there'll be a game plan module and um, they basically, they're another education tool. Each student athlete coach staff has to complete it. Um, so this month's October is LGBTQ plus history and there's an allyship module and then we all have to complete those. So that's basically what our ACC Unity Week encompasses. Great. Sounds like a jam-packed schedule throughout the course of the week. Um, you know, and then next week is election day and I know around college athletics and at Boston College as well, uh, most teams, most athletic groups are taking a pause in activities on election day to, to make sure that everyone's participated. Um, are you doing anything special with Eagles for quality to encourage or facilitate um, student athlete voting as well? Um, yes, so we did a competition to get people registered. Um, obviously with like mail-in ballots and everything like we've been doing our best to um make the locations of little drop boxes like noticeable and helping people with their ballots like people come to me all the time like with how do I fill this out how do I do this so we're open to help um and we were asking student athletes if they needed transportation to uh, transportation sorry to um the polls if they want to vote um in Massachusetts but um, next week, we're going to table. There's not a lot we can really do, but we're going to table and we're going to give out I voted stickers for people who voted and T-shirts. So that's really exciting. Awesome. Yeah, I got to say that I voted by mail this year. And the one thing you miss when you vote by mail, you don't get a sticker. So how, how can you show everybody that you voted and you need the sticker? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, 2020 has obviously been a really tough year 
across the board and, and for this country between the pandemic, between George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, all the, the you know, unsettled times over the, the summer as well. How have you personally like been able to, you know, process all of this going on at, at once and what's helped get you through it? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been really, really hard. I have bad days and then there's good days where I'm like really motivated, but I do just channel everything into my work here. And I like posted something last night and I mean, there's another um, horrible loss in the black community. And, you know, I said something like, this is why we march. This is why I continue to do what I do and this is why we don't stop because it's, I mean, it really is heartbreaking. Um, but yeah, I definitely have worse days than others and it's really hard, but at the end of the day, I feel like we all we can do is just do our part and continue to use our voices and continue to create the change that we wanna see. You know, you, you mentioned allyship and I'm curious if you feel like you've been able to have a lot more open conversations with, you know, some of your teammates and student athletes of, of all races this year about your experience and them about their experience and maybe conversations you wouldn't have had before, before this year. No, definitely. I think that it's been a lot easier and even though it shouldn't always be easy, it should be uncomfortable. It's been a lot like more open to have these conversations and like talk about things that are uncomfortable and tough that we don't necessarily want to talk about, but it's necessary. Um, but yeah, it's been so much better and just way more like able to just talk back and forth and like share opinions and you know, listen and learn. And like I said this last night at the Solidarity Walk, like even as a black person, black woman, I still have so much to learn myself. Like we all, like even if my people are being oppressed, like I still have so much to learn and grow from. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to ask you a couple things about learning. First off, what are some of the things you've, you feel like you've learned the most doing this work the last few months that you didn't know before? And then secondly, what types of, for, for people who want to get more educated on, on this, what types of, you know, reading, publications, any of that kind of stuff have you found has been really helpful to, to maybe bring you up to speed about things in history that you didn't know about in the United States as well? Yes. Um, so for my, for the first question, things that I've learned from doing work with DEI, I, one thing that I've really learned is that like, not everyone's going to be as passionate as I am, which is good. Like, that's fine. But, um, you know, there's people like just people who show up in our group and like are constantly there and like maybe you know, don't understand, but like they show up and they do the work. I, that's something that I like couldn't understand at first. I was like, why are they not as passionate as me? But, you know, I've learned that like, as long as they're showing up and like, they want to be into, they're showing up to the meetings and doing the work that we, our initiatives and they want to listen that I'm way more receptive to that now. And I realize that not everyone's going to be like me, which is fine. Um, <laughs> but, and then for your second question, sorry, I forgot. Oh, yeah, so the second question was, um, 
you know, like what types of resources for people who want to get maybe more educated about history and, and about these issues and about differing experiences from theirs? What kind of resources and, and readings have you maybe found helpful as you've looked to learn more over the last uh, six months or so? Um, well, so I use like social media is just such a big, like that helps me learn so much. And I feel like with our generation, like it's just so prevalent in our lives. So I obviously have learned a lot on social media and I mean, anyone can go to my personal page. I have like highlights on highlights of things, but I really start, I'm not like a huge reader, but I was really moved after our SAC book club this um, summer. We read Just Mercy um, by Brian Stevenson. And he's a lawyer attorney for um, people on death row and in Alabama. So yeah. And after reading that book, like my whole, like my whole mindset, my heart like was changed. I mean, I think that's the same for the whole SAC board. Like we had some really, really great conversations um, through reading, doing that book club and, you know, it's just books like those. There's lists all over the internet. Um, I just bought one called Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting at the lunch, at Lunch Together? I think that's what it's called. Um, it's on my desk. I haven't started yet because I'm drowning in schoolwork. Yeah. But um, yeah, just there's lists and lists of tons of books for all sorts of subjects um, all over. So, but definitely kicked off with Just Mercy and that changed my life, honestly. Um, just finally, obviously, you've talked about how it has been a very tough and very challenging time. Um, at the same time, doing this work and talking to your teammates and seeing, you know, the response around the country as well. Are there things that have really encouraged you as well? Like, do you feel like we're at an inflection point where there is real possible change? I mean, I hope so. I feel like this summer and even up to now and hopefully continuing like it's been different than ever before I've never seen so many people come out and protest and like I've talked to so many of my friends they all protest and I think that's amazing and I don't think I've ever seen that before maybe at least in my years alive um but I hope this this is different I it seems different to me like so many more people seem motivated and just the fact that we even got a DEI committee started and so many other schools have as well. Like, I think that this is going to stick and it should, and I'm excited. Well, Jewel, we're uh, excited that you're putting such good work in your group's doing great things. Um, congratulations on getting it started and, uh, you know, starting to take those first steps forward. Uh, Jewel Strawberry plays volleyball at Boston College and she is the chair of Eagles for Equality, the Boston College Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Student Committee. Uh, Jewel, thank you. Thank you. Coming off BC Women's Soccer's first win of this season, goalkeeper Allie Auger joins us. Allie, welcome. Um, I'm sure it felt good to get win number one last week in Syracuse. Yeah, it was definitely amazing. Uh, it was much needed. and We honestly were just very excited and it made the long track home uh, a little better. Yeah, you know, it felt in the, the previous week in those close games against two of the best teams in the ACC, Duke and, and North Carolina, it felt like there were spurts where you had played really well there were just you know a couple spurts where things went the other way particularly uh the, the north carolina game um 
So did you feel like you were getting closer going into that Syracuse game and, and this was just kind of a culmination of, of what you'd been building over the past few weeks? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, you know, we obviously started a lot later than other teams. And so getting right into it, it was, um, you know, there was a disadvantage, but also an advantage. Um, and so coming into Syracuse, it was our time to put all the pieces together and take everything that we've learned from the difficult games um, beforehand and really kind of from the start of the whistle be on the front foot. How challenging has it been to, you know, cram the, the eight game season into a month? It's going to be one full month from when you started the season to, to when the, the fall regular season ends on this, this Sunday and you'll have played eight games. So how hard is it to find time to actually like really feel like you guys were developing and improving in practice because it was so much game to game to game and having to then recover in between games as well? Yeah, I mean, it definitely was difficult. Um, but recovery is key and we took that time and we were able to watch a lot of video, um, talk one-on-one, -on -one, not only with the coaches, but with each other and to figure out kind of where we were going wrong, what we were doing right. Um, and so that those open lines of communication was huge uh, for individual growth, but also as a team. You've got Virginia and Virginia Tech coming in this week. Uh, Virginia has been one of the best teams in the ACC the past few years. Virginia Tech's had some good years and some bad years. Uh, what what do you expect from both of these teams? And and what's the, the conversation been like in terms of goal setting to close the season strong this week? Yeah, I mean, we, we were looking at this week with six points up for grabs, definitely. Um, any team in the ACC that we play, is it's going to be a battle. Um, and we know that, and we know, you know, UVA, Virginia Tech, they want to come down here and they want to steal some points. Um, but it's just having the mentality that we could play with these teams. And um, Syracuse was that turning point for us. And, and we know that and we're, you know, we're training for that and we're training with that mindset. Uh, your head coach, Jason Lowe, was a keeper himself when he played. So I'm curious playing for a keeper do you feel like he maybe has an extra eye on you or some some even higher expectations because that's the position he played as well definitely um but it's also it's awesome because you know jamie cranage adds a completely different dimension and then so does jason um and so having just the keeper knowledge um is awesome uh, when we talked to him a couple weeks ago, he, he was talking about for you this year, the big thing was, you know, you, you've always been a shot stopper. A college goalkeeper is always someone who's going to be a good shot stopper. And the big step in your second year in college was continuing to learn how to, you know, control the tempo of the game and, and lead from the back. Can you kind of walk me through your development there and how your confidence has grown to be able to, to take charge from the back? Yeah, I'm the confidence. We had actually talked about it. I think any athlete will tell you like your confidence has to come from within. Um, and so freshman year, I definitely, that was, that was lacking, you know, as an underclassman, I was nervous to speak up, tell these upperclassmen who are star players, you know, what to do, where to go. Um, and then coming into the season, Jason and Jamie, they kind of gave me the go ahead and, and that that's what we need. And so with that trust, um, I was able to just kind of begin to expand my knowledge and share my knowledge and share what I'm seeing um, during the game and then after the game. 
uh, which is, it, there is a benefit to it. Um, you know, it's not just me yelling at the, my players, but my players are also looking back at me and saying, this is what I need from you. Um, so I think the communication goes both ways and, and that has really shown through this season. You know, for someone who's just casually watching soccer and only thinks of the goalkeeper as, okay, their job is to stop the goal and sometimes they might have to punt or throw the ball away as well. Uh, can you explain how wrong that is and, and what you're doing, even when you may not be involved necessarily in, in stopping a shot at the moment, what you're doing to keep people aligned and what you're doing even when the ball is, you know, up the field? Um, the... Jason, I know Jason said this before, you know, being a keeper, when you're done with the game, you should be mentally fatigued. Like you, there's a mental exhaustion that far surpasses the physical um, exhaustion that you dealt with for 90 plus minutes. And um, so even when it's down the other field, you're still trying to make sure your defense is in shape, constantly thinking of that next play. Um, so there is no point where you can turn off as a keeper. Um, and then when you're called upon to make that save, you then also have to, of course, you know, make make that save. Yeah, I, I, you went right where I was going to go, which is the mental exhaustion, because that was something that that uh, Jason talked about. I guess the other question I would have, you mentioned it right there, that you never really can turn off. You're always locked in on shape and things like that. But in, in a game like, say, the Syracuse game, where your offense had the ball on the other end of the field for a lot of the time, but you're still called upon to, to make saves from time to time. How do you stay sharp? I'll just say from my firsthand experience as a, a young youth soccer goalkeeper, when my team was dominating the ball, it was easy to let your mind wander. So uh, how do you, you know, stay locked in and stay sharp when there may be a game where you're not seeing the ball very often? Um, yeah, I think it's a big part of it is when the ball goes out, even if it's on the other side of the field, I'm still having those one-on-one -on -one conversations. I'm still approaching, you know, Michaela or Sam Agresti or even my, my midfields. And we're just kind of talking about the game. Uh, even if there's not a specific moment, it's just kind of, what am I seeing? What are they seeing? Um, you know, how can we counteract that? And also just, um, the distribution too, try and get that ball back, try and get it to my feet, um, just trying to stay connected as best as possible. Because it is difficult when, you know, we are dominating and, and we are on that front foot for a majority of the game. Yeah, I'd assume it's, it's one of those like double-edged swords because obviously to win the game, your team needs to have a lot of the ball and you want them to be in the offensive end scoring a lot of goals. But uh, I know as a keeper, I'm sure you you like stopping shots. That's the fun of it. So you want to see some of the ball as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> Share the wealth a little bit. Get me involved. <laughs> um, you, you, you grew up in Connecticut. Uh, what was it about Boston College and the recruiting process that made you want to come and, and play at BC? Um, a lot of things, honestly. Um, I loved the atmosphere, um, the culture, both on the field and off the field. Um, there was an immediate connection. Uh, my brother actually came here, so I knew coming into it what the school was like um, and the rigor of class and then watching games and, and having the opportunity to come and to the camps and, and meet the girls uh, was awesome. And I knew that this was going to provide me a test, like give me a test that I needed um, and was looking for. Uh, so it just it was perfect. I got to ask, because I feel like Connecticut 
gets a bad rap from a lot of the other New England states. And you got a lot of other New Englanders from Massachusetts, Rhode Island, places like that on, on your team. I'm going to gonna give you a chance to defend Connecticut here. Yeah, I mean, people sleep on Connecticut. Connecticut, you know, we may not have a lot going on, but we have great players and great mentality. Um, yeah, I... I loved growing up there. It's my home. Uh, I have nothing bad to say about it. Yeah, I, th- I think the average, like, northern New Englander, Massachusetts and up, thinks of Connecticut as just, like, an extension of New York. But there's a whole lot of that state that's that's not at all like uh, like New York City. So, yeah, uh, yeah. so much. Um, away from soccer, what have been some of your favorite parts of, of being a, a student at, at BC? Um, definitely meeting new people. Um, you know, we spend majority of our time with um, our teammates. So just getting out, um, meeting other athletes, but also meeting students that um, have similar passions um, and interests as I do. Um, definitely clubs has also been huge. We have an array of clubs that I've been able to get involved and learn about, um, expand my horizons. So it's been awesome. You know, this year, when obviously there are restrictions and things that are making life a little bit more challenging, how are you and your teammates trying to, you know, fill some of that social void that you might otherwise be missing, but to make sure that then you're doing it in a way where you're with each other and kind of staying in, in your own group? Um, I think we're just, you know, we, we're so grateful for... Um, the opportunity to play and so we've done everything in our power to you know try to maintain our social bubble um, our safe social bubble as best as possible but we also know you know there are pillars to life and there are pillars to our team and so being able to grab food bring it back to um, you know somewhere on the lawn or someone's dorm um, in those small spaces in a safe way has been huge because you're we're taking a step away from soccer and and sometimes that's needed um, and that's been a huge help I think. In a year like this I'm curious if you've like found even more of a love for soccer when you had that you know you had six months where you had to go back home. You were away from your teammates. You weren't sure if there was going to be a season. I know to be a college athlete from time to time, there can be burnout. But was this something that like rekindled your passion, do you feel like, when all of a sudden there was time where there was uncertainty about whether or not you were going to be able to play this year? Yeah, I mean, I definitely – I've always loved the sport. There's been no waiver in that. But I the entire team felt it. I remember, you know, taking the field with Notre Dame, our first game, we were ready for it. The energy, the intensity, that fire is just, that's what we play for. Um, and, and we all felt it. There wasn't anyone um, on the team that, that wasn't experiencing that. And it's awesome to be able to experience that with, you know, these girls that are truly, you know, we're family. Yeah. 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 Um, I'll, I'll feel the BC. Uh, curious what your major is and what your favorite class you've taken so far is. Uh, right now, my major is biology. Um, with the core classes that BC, um, you know, has us taking, I've been able to, to take a theology um, course, which was super interesting. Um, and it just was a different perspective, which I had never taken 
um, a course like that in in high school. Mm -hmm. I hear biology oftentimes that is like a pre-med track. Is that what you're what you're hoping for down the road? I don't think so. Um, but yeah, I definitely don't think so. <laughs> Was that the original intention? And now you've kind of, after taking some classes, changed your mind? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested though in the sciences. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Um, but there's still a lot unknown about yeah. the yeah, hey, you got plenty of time to still figure it out. This is just year two for you. Um, you know, everybody picked up some strange hobbies over the last seven months. Uh, what is the most unique quarantine hobby that, that you picked up and, and how you passed the time? So I definitely, there weren't any hobbies, no new hobbies for me, but um, did my, so my sister is in school too. So she was quarantined at home and we did a lot of just home projects, renovation, mm -hmm. Um, keeping busy yeah. um, and getting our energy out for sure. It was amazing to me to see like uh, March, April, May. I've never seen so many people like working on their lawn or things like that that had never been doing it before <laughs> yeah. because they had to find something to pass the time. Uh, all right, I got a couple more fun ones. Um, if there were to be a movie about your life, who would you want to play you? Oh, this is a good one. Oh, I have a question. Uh, answer. Hmm. I just think Amy Poehler is really funny. <laughs> hey, I, that's a good pick. Yeah. <laughs> make it up. Be like, you can, instead of a movie, we can make it a 30 minute sitcom uh, <laughs> episode. And just instead of Parks and Rec, it's like, uh, I don't know, I need to brainstorm on the name here for a little bit, but something uh, BC soccer related. So uh, that would work. Uh, who on your team? is the uh like the most vociferous talker like who who does not stop gabbing uh hmm gotta think about this one i would say probably sydney she is definitely a talker um but she it's more so like she's just constantly cracking jokes yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. If there was like one bagel left at the team spread and you were going to have to go one-on-one -on -one with somebody to get it, who is the person you'd least want to like have to get into a scrap with on your team? Who's the, who's the fiercest uh, scrapper in your group? Oh, Jenna, without a doubt. Great. <laughs> <laughs> right, great. Um, you know, and finally, I'm just curious um, for, for folks who, you know, see your team, see you play, but maybe don't know a lot about you guys. Like what's one thing that you think like identifies your team and, and is like the key to your, your group that, you know, is year to year, your culture that you try to pass down to, to newcomers? Um, I think, you know, one uh, found word, especially during this time would be just our resilience in general, you know, Things don't go our way all the time. We know that. And it's just sticking together, staying a family, staying bonded and united and being able to overcome any obstacle, whether it is on the field or off the field. Um, and that's definitely a culture that is here now and what Jason has um, really done well to kind of make a priority, um, which is really awesome to just think about and be a part of.
Awesome. Well, Ali, really appreciate chatting with you. Look forward to seeing your team play uh, this week. Thursday, Virginia, it's a 6 p.m. start. And then a Sunday, Virginia Tech, a 1.30 start. Both games available on ACC Network for folks who are at home. Uh, Ali Auger, thanks for your time. Thank you.